welcome to the Digital Families Podcast. I'm Leonie Smith. I'm a digital family parent coach and educator, and this podcast is all about learning how to use the digital technology in our homes with more safety and balance. My guest today is Claire Eaton. Claire Eaton is a speaker, youth coach, and author of four books for teens. So not books for parents. These are for teens. We're going to talk about this in a minute. Um, Rock and Rise is one of them. You Are Awesome is another one. Hello High School and its companion planner. So there's a planner that comes with it and you'll understand about that as we as we go through this. Claire began her career as a teacher and deputy principal, which quickly led her to her deep interest in mindset and the social and emotional well-being of young people. In 2007, Claire left education to open her private coaching practice, which still supports teens, young adults and parents today. She's known for her keep it real and prevention focused approach to well-being and is highly sought after to work with people and speak in schools and at events Australia wide. Claire, welcome to the Digital Families podcast. Hi, Leonie. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Thank you. Tell us about your um, coaching practice. What kind of issues are you dealing with right now? Right now. Okay. So I've seen a bit of a change in terms of the, the ideas that I'm working with, but because I come from a very strong prevention point of view and it's more proactive rather than reactive, I come in at the side where there are parents looking for support for their kids, maybe a little bit before they need it. So we're talking about unhelpful thinking, big emotions, idea of overwhelm and underwhelm as well, uh, anxiety, particularly wrapped in that social anxiety space, uh, disconnection, the And family topics as well of just how do we navigate um, a nine-year-old, a 12-year-old and a 15-year-old in one house. And a big one is handling (laughs) change, challenges and and failure, huge. And, of course, stress. Stress is huge amongst our young people around things in their life appropriate to them as a 12-year-old or a 15-year-old. So they're the big uh, topics that I'm I'm talking about with, with young people at the moment. Yeah, stress, as you're saying, is is a big one. Do you think it's more stressful now than it's ever been? Well, I think so. I think I think there are different things that trigger stress for our young people now. And when we're talking about digital technologies and the impact of that in our families and our lives, our young people and their very underdeveloped brain. And that's what we've got to remember is that we're dealing with adult an adolescent brain and all the chemical changes that are going with that. So if they're not taught and don't have the skill set to recognise stress triggers, they often don't know how to respond to stress. So that causes a bit of an emotional and mental collapse for them in in some cases. And and parents, oh, boy, we're doing our best, but we're often left to pick up the pieces around this. So it's quite complex, isn't it? It's quite complex. Yeah, it is. And how do you think digital technology in families is affecting family stress level and what's happening right now. I mean, it's a little bit, you're over in in WA, so you haven't had the same level of lockdown as we have over on the the Eastern States. But even still, children are relying so much more on technology as are adults right now. Mm. Um, And we know that it's very, very difficult for families to find a really good balance around that. And we know it's the cause of a lot of stress in families for a number of reasons. Yeah, it is. And what I've seen throughout this time, and I coach a lot of children on in the Eastern States as well, who 
Oh boy, it's been it's been so tough and continues to be continues to be tough. And I think this level of uncertainty that our children experience is felt throughout the entire home. There's this this low level, medium level, high level rippling anxiety that that creates amongst our adults and kids and grandparents as well. Yeah, the whole family is in on this. But for our very more introverted children, they've experienced this differently and their stress may be more of an inward, um, a deeper level of uh, experience for them. Because for them, as, a, as an introvert, as a, as a child that learns or experiences friendships more of a one-on-one basis, this has been, I don't want to use the word easier, but maybe a little easier for them to navigate. But for our extrovert children, this has been quite tricky where they feed off the energy and the buzz of groups and Mm -hmm. face-to-face contact and high-energy conversations and just that being around people. So I really think this the the lockdown, the the emphasis on on digital technology to build friendships has, has really taken its toll, and I'm seeing that from a social anxiety perspective as well with Mm. that muscle of that ability to show up and start a conversation and be in the space with other people has taken Mm. a hit. It's Mm. taken a hit. And in some cases, our children are having to relearn how to be socially competent and confident and believe in themselves in social context. It's, um, yeah, we've got a long way to go with this, I think. Yeah, and, you know, we've had two years of it now and so many of them have lost those two years that they'd normally be um, spending, getting their social wings, as you said. You know, my two boys are in university and they've missed being on campus and the connections that they make on campus and the friendships that they make on campus. So whatever they, they started the lockdown with, that friendship group, it hasn't really expanded because it hasn't been allowed to. And we know with year 11 and 12, they've missed out on so many milestones, haven't they, um, for what would normally happen in those senior years where they've got a bit more freedom and there's all yeah. kinds of ceremony around there. So that yeah, must be... You're, you're right. I mean, these are rites of passage that we're talking about here for our children. And and a lot of rites of passage involve being present, being being in a room full of people clapping and applauding and acknowledging, and that's been taken away. And you know, I also, I don't think we can have this conversation without shining the light on single parent families and families with single children as well that don't have the, the siblings to connect with and interact with and, and just keep them in that buoyant state. You know, when, you, when you're relying on yourself, you've got a 15-year-old at home girl or boy that has no siblings and no access to social interaction that really takes its toll because they've got to do a, an extra layer of work to keep them in a buoyant, excuse me, a buoyant place, socially, emotionally and mentally. Mm. So let's talk about um, your book, Claire, which I had a, a, a read through, um, which is fantastic. It's called Rock and Rise. And the ROC in rock stands for something. Tell us about that. It does. So Rock and Rise stands for Resilience, Optimism and Confidence. Mm. Now, interestingly, um, I called it Rock because from my experience working with young people, they're actually sick of hearing the words resilience, optimism and confidence. (laughs) They're really, oh, here we go again. It's those three things we need to do and be. But we can't we can't escape the importance of those three characteristics that young people need. So mm. 
this book is a it's a step by step how to be resilient, optimistic, and confident. So that when young people hear parents, grandparents, teachers, coaches say, you need to be more optimistic, you need to be more resilient, they actually don't know the nitty gritty nuts and bolts of how to do that. Mm. So from my experience, Leonie, the two biggest uh, tools that young people tell me they have is be positive and let it go when there's an issue. Mm And that is not easy. Just be positive and let something go when it's bothering you. So I really decided that I needed to give teenagers their tool book that they can use to access. It's filled with stories. And, mm-hmm. and what it does is normalises normalizes the experience that teenagers have, their unhelpful thinking, the big emotions, those anxious feelings that they get, how they can handle failure and, and coping with overwhelm. It gives them step-by-step guide how to do that not not how to think but how to do these little important mental well-being strategies so you wrote this for teenagers um Mm. and what what made you decide to to write the book for teenagers and not as a lot of people do write the book for parents to help teenagers what was the thinking around that because there are many amazing people in this space that are writing amazing books for parents. We, yeah. we know that. And they keep them coming. Brilliant. But I just saw a gap and I thought teenagers want something for them. But the great thing is parents read these books too mm-hmm. and teachers read these books. So much so that schools buy them as a school resource. So if the kids are reading them, the parents are reading them, they're in the library, teachers are reading them they're all on the same page which for me is oh it's music to my ears it's it's brilliant because when we're all on the same page it doesn't feel like parents telling kids what to do it's kids reading strategies around mental well-being in the form of a story in the form of a reflection that they can connect in with and relate to and think ah that's me that's me when I get too much homework that's me when I'm not selected for that that basketball team that's me when I'm excluded from that group chat and I have no idea why so it's um it hits the spot and you know I think what it really does is highlights a young person's need to be flexible to be adaptable in their thinking in their emotions but it shows them how to do it we can't be rigid teenagers can't be rigid um, mm. and often because fear, as you said there's so much uncertainty so much uncertainty so and that's just not going to work anymore the rigidness <laughs> yeah the rules there are no rules you can't plan anything really and no. one and of the big that's... problems we know with young people is they are so concerned for their futures they're concerned yeah. for the environment they're concerned for their what kind of jobs they're going to get buying a house so even in my own family those concerns are very strong Yeah, and that's when we're talking about, um, you know, future forecasting and looking ahead. Um, Mm. One of the things that I talk about in Rock and Rise is called the Rock Five, and three of those things are being curious, being hopeful and being present. So if we can practice those things, it pulls us back into now and what we can do now, what we can be in control of now, because the brain loves to zoom ahead. But if we've got a young person with a very underdeveloped brain, which is developmentally normal, Mm. um, 
they default to zooming ahead to worst possible scenario, worst case scenario. So for me, that um, pulling back to, there's a saying that I love and it's just be where your feet are. And if we can be where, where our feet are, we can manage what is on our plate now. And that's it's a really lovely nervous system settler for our young people just to, to be here and to be now and to control what is within your control. And I think that's important for parents to uh, to think about that and model that as well because if they're seeing the parents freak out, yeah, then they freak out. Yeah. And I think in addition to that, it's normal to freak out. So <laughs> a, a big idea that I talk about is the 80-20 rule, you know, trying to mm. just manage and, and, and kind of live a lighter, brighter life about 80% of the time, but we're going to have times when we melt down, we over, we're in a state of overwhelm, we just collapse under the weight of all of this, of life. Life sometimes is just so wild and wacky. And I think it's important that kids see their parents do that, but the key here is see how they recover mm. and see how they regroup. Mm. So it's not, oh, there's my parents collapsing, they're not perfect, they're not managing yeah. It's seeing them collapse and then seeing what they do yeah. to climb back up over days or weeks. And I think that is where the gold is sitting. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. You have to be honest, I think, in your in your relationships that you have, because if you're always hiding things like, you know, fear or conflict or anything from parents, they from children, they don't hopefully you're good at resolving it if you're not maybe you need to do some work on yourself but hopefully then they it, that is normalized because there was a, a period of time where it was very much you know hide any kind of concerns from your kids the kids must live in a bubble and the parents if they've got financial problems or whatever mm. you mm. hide that from your kids mm. and then of course children as they grow older don't learn the realities of life mm. either so that find balance between having your children living in uncertainty and fear, but also showing them a, a real representation of what it's like to be a grown-up and an adult. Absolutely. And I think you, when you use the word balance, and it's also adding the word filter in there as well, I think we've got to remember that our young people have an underdeveloped brain and a yeah. highly charged nervous system and emotional system, regulation system. So we might not let them in on all of it because they're not adult ready for that mm. yet, but mm. we can definitely filter and give them portions and parts of it um, to show how to navigate life's tricky, wild curveballs. Um, and I refer to, in Rock and Rise, I talk about this as life stuff. Because there's a saying that kids say to me all the time, and that is, um, well, that's life, mate. My mum and dad say to me, well, that's life. Mm. But they don't quite get what that means. So mm. I chunk it down for them and talk about it in terms of stuff. We all have a stuff list and it grows and changes throughout our entire life. So, for example, on our stuff list, we might have a mortgage, bills and car repairs. A 13-year-old mm. probably doesn't have to experience that at the moment. They have their own stuff list, which might be gaming um, devices, friendships, basketball teams. So when we can show them how to navigate their stuff list in a boosting rather than blocking way, we're doing them a massive favour and setting them up for the bigger, more complicated stuff that's going to pop up in years to come. And that's inevitable. It's going I to think, show up inevitable. 
Um, it's interesting that you say that because as you're saying it, I'm thinking to myself, one of the biggest um, questions that that I get asked, and I, I, undoubtedly you get asked the same thing, for parents is how to teach kids about their stuff list because it's so different from what it was when we were their age. Um, mm. Things like digital technology, um, mm. let alone what's happening at school. School looks very different to them than it did when we were at school. Yeah. I mean, yeah. there's a lot of similarities with issues and, you know, ganging up and groups and all that kind of stuff. But throw the technology in there. And there's a lot of parents out there who'll be listening to this, Claire, and be thinking, but I can't teach my kids how to how to balance all that stuff because I don't know how to do it myself. Mm. There are a lot of parents that aren't engaged with the technology like their kids are. So what do you What's the answer there, Claire? What's the answer? <laughs> okay, so we've got seven minutes. <laughs> I want to out. Um, I think conversation, this continual, I call it um, stack and stick. And we've got to have lots and lots of little conversations stacked on top of each other to make these ideas and um, and thoughts stick with our young people mm -hmm. so it's it's a lot around looking at comparisons our young people on social media are really hooked into comparisons because apparently the grass is greener on the other side now that's a mm. really big thing to manage for parents but it's a lot of conversations around be where your feet are be in your own life mm -hmm. and mind your own business and I say that so respectfully because when we're minding our own business, we're minding our life and what's going on for us. And it helps us cut down those comparisons that are very prevalent on social media, which mm -hmm. can really take our young people into this rabbit hole style thinking. Down the rabbit hole we go to more of those blocking type thoughts. We've also got that big fear of missing out. Mm -hmm. um, you know, when we were 12 and 15 and 17, you actually didn't know what was going on unless yeah. someone told you. Yeah. Whereas now I don't, there are so many platforms for our young people to be across everything. And yeah. that's, it's bombarding for their brains mm. and, and for their heart space as well. Emotionally, it can be quite um, torturous for a young person to see all of this going on. And when they, when they see these people hanging out and this party going on and this event happening, they forget the goodness that's going on in their own lives mm. and they're so hooked in to everyone else's, which is their brain isn't ready for it. And of no. course, yeah. So I, as I'm listening to you, I'm thinking, well, yeah, that's what adults do as well. We all do the same thing, but our brain is more developed so yes, that we can actually, it. we can troubleshoot that. One of the things you mentioned in your book is the importance of choosing quiet, which I really love. It's one of the things I used to say to my boys in a different way. You know, they might come to me, and this is pre-social media, Mum, I'm bored. And I'd say, that's fantastic. <laughs> Boredom breeds creativity. And they'd just roll their eyes at me. I roll. And I, yeah, there's a cardboard box, you know, kind of thing. Make something of yeah. that. But I was very much one of those parents that didn't run around my kids with a hundred different activities. I wanted them to be bored in order to have creativity because that's how I was brought up. Yeah. Explain your version of choosing quiet and why that's important and how parents can focus on that. Okay, so the brain has not evolved like we have evolved. The brain is still doing the same old things, but what we know is that the brain is becoming so overwhelmed with all the noise, all the technology, all the constant stimulation, 
And from my perspective, working with young people and presenting in schools, I hear it constantly that an overstimulated brain doesn't perform as it needs to. So we're seeing a lot more meltdowns and overwhelm through children because their brain can only hold so much information. Mm -hmm. So when I talk about quiet, it's not necessarily that they need to have days off social media or they need to have go on retreats and be by themselves for hours. It's just choosing regular, like routine, ritual-based, just moments of time, and it might be 10 minutes after they get out of the shower, where they just turn everything off and just have quiet. Because that can be quite a vulnerable space for young people if they've had very little experience having no noise or surround or people around them. So it's not so much turn, it's not so much being away from life. It's choosing to separate from noise on a regular basis and so some, that our brain can just go, ah, oh, thank and you. Then, and then you, 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 you'll get the question from parents and from kids, what do I do during that quiet? Do I have yeah. to download an app that yeah. helps me, like something that plays in my head to have that quiet? It's like yeah. <laughs> we're not yeah, used to I, just I sitting there with our own thoughts, are we? Yeah, and that's a big, we've got to practice doing that. That's a big thing for adults to do. Mm -hmm. so, it can be practicing. I mean, I've got a swing outside, this beautiful wooden swing on my patio. And when I first got that swing, I would go and sit on it and it would be like, oh, all this, I, should I be doing something? Now, that was about three years ago. Now I sit on that swing and I swing. And that momentum alone just allows my brain, it triggers my brain just to say, mm -hmm. I don't need anything but to be in this moment. So... Mm -hmm. It, it takes practice. It really does. And if it starts with just two minutes for a 15-year-old practicing a bit of quiet and builds to three, and by the time they're 20, they're sitting at 20 minutes quiet, that is brilliant. But so I again, can program that on my watch, can't I, Claire? I can program into my... <laughs> <laughs> where it's I've got the breathe app. Instead of breathing, I'll think, oh, that's my quiet. And there is actually yeah. a quiet... There is actually a quiet thing in there that there has a really fancy, quiet. fancy little graphic that comes up on my watch. So if if you're listening to this, folks, and you have a device, <laughs> maybe you can set the time to say, "All right, now I have this is my two minutes." Because um, yeah, I remember um, doing an experiment. I think it was in my counselling course, but I'm not quite sure. Where two people had to sit opposite each other and look at each other's in each other's eyes and mm. not say anything for a certain period of time, and mm. how excruciating that was initially. Mm. Initially, and that's yeah. the key. Anything we do for the first time or as a new skill feels weird, and we it's encouraging teenagers to stick with the uncomfortable to stick with the weirdness mm. and this takes maturity sitting in a bit of peace and quiet takes maturity and we see it if we're meeting a friend in a cafe and they turn up a little bit late mm -hmm. it, it takes intentional choice for us just mm -hmm. to sit and be yeah <laughs> i'm on do. the phone <laughs> you can't yeah, see yeah. it we used to pick up a newspaper oh there's a yeah. newspaper i'll flick through but we yeah. think oh there's a gap in time I'll just pick up my phone, I'll scroll, I'll text, I'll message. Um, so it's it's that intentional moment to moment. How am I thinking? How am I using my time? What am I choosing from moment to moment? And this takes mm. maturity. It takes brain development, practice, modelling. Um, but boy, oh boy, our brains need it and thank us for it. 
because it yeah. creates calm. It's a and we know that learning, learning so comes from calm. Let me ask you, Claire, about these other two books, which is the Hello High School and the accompanying yearly planner, um, mm. which is a lovely idea. It and, and I had you know a good look through all of this with all sorts of advice about how friendship groups and all the sorts of things because we know that transition, as you said before, between year six and high school can be really difficult for some kids. Some kids send you know, they follow their friends group through to another school. Mm. Other kids lose their friendship group. And that first year can be so difficult, isn't it? Yeah. Do you think that it's changed a lot, say, since we went through that, that, that period of time now from what it used to be? Definitely. And uh, Hello High School and its planner, I only released it um, just, just over a year ago now. And it, that really derived from... Uh, schools, high schools asking me to constantly do presentations on how to be courageous at school and how to show up and be, yeah, and that's the planner that goes with it. And I'll explain just holding it up for those of you watching it on YouTube, yeah. those of you that aren't watching it and listening to it, every day the planner basically says the same thing. Sorry to interrupt you there, no. Claire. But it asks you to fill out certain things to to. I suppose to help with your mindfulness about what's really going on, mm. um, what how you behaved, and, and you can keep explaining that, that Claire. I'll stop distracting you now. <laughs> no, it up. And I think because high school intensity has changed. So Hello High School is really designed for year sevens to year nines. And I talk about year seven as the learning how to be a great high schooler. That's the learning year. So this book really takes them through how to how to be on top of their planning, their productivity, social dynamics, organisation, um, how to even manage it if you're going in, if your home is in a split situation and Wednesday is switched from mum's house to dad's house or Thursday is the day that Nana picks up. There is, there's a lot going on for our kids and I think the academic pressures um, are more significant than they ever were 20 and 30 years ago. And yes, there are a million pathways to get to the end, which is different to what it was many years ago. Um, however, as we spoke about before, that future forecasting of mm. what am I going to do had, pops up a lot, pops up a lot earlier than it ever did before. I think that's so, the pressure from schools and parents, though. There's so many schools that basically start off high school talking about the path to the HSC, which mm. is terrifying. Yeah, or they're the not returns, doing yeah. what you're suggesting, Claire, which is, you know, home. What, what's the phrase you use about your feet again? What is that phrase? Oh, be where your feet are. Be where your feet are. Yes. And I wish there were more schools that that practiced that because yeah. um, even when my boys were at school, that really concerned me, the fact that there was this, the schools have become, a lot of them have become a business. You know, they have to rank. And so that means they're all it seems like all they're doing, a lot of teachers, is preparing kids for the HSC year. So yeah. it's no and wonder that children have these fears and these concerns. Absolutely. And in addition to that, as a former teacher, I would say that teachers are working within this system and many mm. teachers are trying to push back against this system. So mm. there's so many levels going on. Um, and from a teaching point of view, you know, I... I look, I hear exactly what you're saying. And I think many teachers would love for the system to be different and yeah. are teaching in a system that is, is almost suffocating our children and their creativity. And I feel for them. So one of the big things that I talk about in Hello High School is, is young people showing up, and this affects digital technology as well, 
showing up to high school with a strong intent to be an interested learner, um, friend, student, rather than trying to be interesting. Because interesting really pushes the button of anxiety. When we show up to be interesting, when we show up on social Mm. media to be interesting, and that's our Mm. goal, there's a lot of pressure to be something or someone. Mm. Mm. So I talk to kids a lot about this, show up and be interested. And that taps into be where your feet are, be curious, ask questions, listen. That's a very Dale Carnegie thought, isn't it? Yeah. you remember Dale Carnegie? Yeah. Yeah, which was, you know, he had all these scenarios that if you're showing up at a, at a gathering or a party, it's not about you. You show interest in other people yeah. and it's old-fashioned as it seems. That's kind of what I've done with my boys because they get a huge social anxiety in those situations. Be interested in interested. other people. Yeah, yeah, Everyone has a story. Takes the there pressure are no, off so much. I know. No one's boring. Yeah. It's... It, it's you, your your interaction with them is what matters. Sure, you might get yeah. some people that don't want to talk to you. Absolutely. And that whole principal can see you all the way through your life. All the way. And when I coach young people, I have a, you know, a 15-year-old boy come in and most people would think, how do you get him to talk? And if I apply <laughs> to be interested. Well, you're not his parent for a start. Yeah, but <laughs> it's amazing how they respond to someone being genuinely interested by asking mm. questions, tapping into their interests, that mm. they are, they they actually, it's like they really shine in these situations mm. and think this is just a one-on-one conversation that they're, interestingly enough, they're craving. Young people are craving it, but they're not getting enough of it. So, so, it's, so when I wrote Hello High School, it was to give our kids both sides it's that Maslow's hierarchy of needs the belonging the fitting in the finding your space liking who you are meets Bloom's taxonomy the learning the the showing up and being able to find information create um create assignments work with people and I really wanted to combine them together so they've got a really eclectic resource that they can use to help them navigate high school and you know, often we we present our high schoolers with this empty diary and say, now, get yeah. organised. Yeah. You need to plan. You need to be on top of things. You need to start now. Teenagers tell me, I have no idea. I don't know where to start. I've got this empty diary and it's all fancy at the beginning and they, they write their tasks out and within usually four weeks, they don't know where their diary is. It's gone. Hmm. So when I created the planner that went with it, it was to help them develop those neural pathways in the frontal lobe of their brain so they can plan, they know how to organise, they know how to manage their time, they know how to juggle those thoughts around overwhelm and how do I get to netball training, finish this assignment, answer that email and still be 12. And I think so, we have to accept that not all kids are going to be good at that. I have one son who is brilliant at that. I have yes. another son who is... 22 and just quietly he still hasn't got a handle on it and he may not for the rest of his life he's going to have to find his own way of navigating this space so our expectations are sometimes just way too high for our for our kids and I think you're right Leonie when you say that but we even the kids who find it really hard still find their ways 
And that's what we need to try and get at, particularly these high school starters, is that let's start with finding what works for us. If yeah. you're if you work best in chunks of 20 minutes, you learn in 20 minutes. Yeah. Um, a little tip that I give all high schoolers is how much the brain loves a clock separated from a device. You know, a Kmart, Big W, Ikea type clock, the yeah. simple kitchen timer. The brain loves it. And, of course, when our young people can sit down, press a timer for 20 minutes, go like the clappers and really, really work, and the timer goes off and they can see, oh, I've just finished 70% of my work in this 20 minutes, they yeah. get a dopamine hit. And to a young brain, mm. the dopamine hit naturally occurring just gives them that, oh, if that's what I can achieve in 20 minutes, if I do another 15, I'm on my skateboard, I'm on Netflix, I'm with my yeah. friends, I'm doing what I want to do. So it's those finding ways that work for them, um, which I think we our kids deserve to be taught these tools. They don't just step into high school and just get them. And I think really important, Claire, and I'm sure you'll back me up on this, is to allow natural consequences to help them. So with a lot of parents, they're trying so hard to protect their children from from having natural consequences for being disorganised or, or whatever it might be. And mm. so it just slows their learning down, doesn't it? Yeah. And I think that's a natural, I so agree with mm. this, and I think it's a natural thing that parents don't want to see their children <laughs> uncomfortable or no in pain. And I mean in like pain as in I haven't handed that in and now yeah. I'm going to cut the consequences. And mm. I think it's really natural and it takes a big effort for parents to step back yes. and allow their children to fail and mm. allow them to experience the consequences of their really um, underdeveloped brain choices um, without coming in and rescuing them too yes. much. There's a thing that I say a lot is that young people have rights and responsibilities, but we need to allow them to experience their responsibilities as well. They're very big on rights. Responsibilities <laughs> are, I have a responsibility to finish this and hand it in, yep. and there's a consequence that will come with that. Yep. Um, so, yeah, I think we've got to and tap into their, they've got a strong desire to be autonomous and to separate from us and to gravitate towards their social networks. And we have to respect that as well without stepping in and rescuing them all the time. But, gee, it's tricky. It's oh, tricky no. being a parent now. That's why it's you've so got tricky. all these wonderful books for the kids. And, and the other last one is the You Are Awesome oh, book. Yeah. Um, and I have a giveaway of all this, this, this wonderful pack. Um, if you're listening to this, um, the code for this giveaway, the first person who uh, quotes this code to me will get the pack. It's ROC Hello High School 21. So Rock Hello High School 21, the first person who contacts me, I will mail that out free of charge for you in the pack. Thank you very much, Claire, for um, giving these delightful books to me. They're really awesome. They are Wonderful. fantastic books. And if you miss out, you can go to Claire's website, uh, and and pick them up there. Um, as as Claire said, they're really good for adults and parents to read alongside as well, even mm. if you can't talk your child into reading one. Yeah, them. and I think that's a great point is that for some reluctant readers, it's there are, most of them are, are available in audiobook as well, but for some yeah. reluctant readers, please don't think my son or daughter won't read it. You read it and you can bring all of these messages into your your um, conversations as well. 
So it's a it's a lovely approach, layered approach to learning, which we know from an educational point of view is the way to go. Thank you so much for being my guest. I could talk to you all day, Claire. We there were so many things I wanted to cover with you, um, but we covered some really important um, ideas there, and I'm sure parents will will um, find those the the discussion that we had a good starting point. Mm. Um, you're in WA. Where can people find out more about what you do, your service and where they can see you? I, you said at the beginning of this uh, podcast when we were off air that you've just done your last presentation. Yes. And I'm so, sure you've got heaps lined up for next year already. Yeah. So I'm in a very fortunate position. I, I present to children um, in year seven to 12. Mm-hmm. And I also, um, I present to adults as well through various events and um, organizations and businesses so claireaton.com.au is the, is the my little home and you can have a flick around there and find out everything that I that I do and of course my one-on-one coaching is um kind of the heart and soul of my business I've been doing that since 2007 and it just continually floats my boat I love it and it brings me a lot of joy so yeah I'm in a very lucky position to do the job that I do thank you very much Claire Eaton for being our guest on digital families podcast today thanks for having me if you like this podcast please leave us a review or some feedback on youtube or your favorite podcast app whatever that is i'd love to hear what you think maybe you've got a suggestion for a potential guest for next year i have a couple of guests coming up uh, before christmas and then i'm taking a break for season three of the podcast starting in 2022. Uh, Tune in again next week um, where I've got another special fabulous guest lined up for you um, where we chat about all things digital and not so digital and how it affects